Welcome to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is Brian Albrecht, your host. Today our text is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4, and they say, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day according to the Scriptures. Paul tells us that this is a gospel message that people need to realize that Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, died for our sins on a cross. He was buried and rose on the third day, and he's alive according to the Scriptures. And the Scriptures are true and without error, and so we can rely upon them. So those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, they're the ones who have faith, those are the ones who are saved. Those are the ones who have a eternity in the presence of Christ. Those who do not have Christ, the Bible calls sinners, and they need grace. They need to be saved. They need to come into relationship with Christ. I pray that all of us that are listening to this broadcast today will have a personal relationship with the God of the universe.
This is July's Moments and Missions. We are concluding our discussions on Christian education in Sierra Leone, West Africa. Remember, Mission Go does Christian education in many of the countries in which its missionaries serve. For us as believers, the Bible serves as the foundation of our faith and provides guidance for living a righteous life. Therefore, supporting the continuing education of Christian principles and the Bible foundation around the world is seen as important and not critical for several reasons. Understanding the Bible, the Bible is a complex text that is open to interpretation. Continuing education in Christian principles and Bible foundation helps Christians understand the Bible better and apply its teachings in their lives. Strengthening faith, learning about Christian principles and Bible foundations can help strengthen a person's faith. It can help them understand their beliefs more deeply and provide them with the tools to communicate their faith to others. Spreading the gospel education in Christian principles and Bible foundation can help Christians spread the gospel to others. They can use their knowledge to communicate the message of Jesus Christ and help others understand the teachings of the Bible. Building Christian communities, education in Christian principles and the Bible foundation can help build stronger Christian communities. When people have a better understanding of their faith, they are more likely to come together and support one another in their spiritual journeys. In summary, supporting the continuing education of Christian principles and Bible foundation around the world is critical for people in helping them to better understand the Bible, strengthen their faith, spread the gospel, and build Christian communities. I'm asking you to help Mission Go to continue a Christian education campaign as we seek to raise $75,000 over the next 24 months to support Christian higher education and church planting training programs. Will you join us in pledging these students and new believers a solid biblical advance teaching to make more disciples across a nation? Let's partner and further God's kingdom by providing Christian higher education and training national pastors to create Christian communities. Help us build the next generation of robust Christian Sierra Leoneans and others in other countries to be evangelists, taking the good news of Jesus Christ from their households to their communities, from their provinces to the uttermost parts of the earth. If you'd like to have more information on Mission Go outreaches, please reach out to us, directly. We have Mission Go representatives available to come and speak to your group or church. For more information on Mission Go Ministries visit www.missiongo.org. Also learn about short-term and career opportunities. Thank you so much for listening to Canada's National Bible Hour. As you are aware, this is a listener-supported program, and of course we cannot continue to be on the air without your prayers and your support. This month we're offering a, a pamphlet by Dr. Fred Hartman uh, entitled, For My Namesake. God makes an unconditional covenant with Abraham. He makes promises to the children of Israel that he would be their people, that, that his descendants would be blessed forever. And so that prophecy is still in effect today because it was unconditional. God, God ratified that covenant without man or Abraham or anyone else agreeing to it that the descendants of Abraham would be blessed. And you can see that throughout the years. Uh, when the nation sinned, of course, then they came under God's discipline, just like when we sin, we come under God's discipline. But he never rejected totally the nation Israel. Even in today, we have the nation coming back to Israel. They have their own land again. Uh, Jews from all over the world are gathering there, and we see the end-time prophecies of becoming a real thing. And so all the prophecies up at this point have, have pretty much been fulfilled as the Jews come back into the land. And the greatest promise that's in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 37, is the fact that one day that all the Jews will be saved. And that will be a great thing right at the end of the world 
when God destroys everything. And so these things are in process, but it also has a, a personal application for you and for, for me. God makes promises to us in his word. And those promises are true. And if we continue to live by those promises that God will continue to work in our lives and draw us closer to ourselves as we live holy lives. One of the promises he makes, he'll never leave us or forsake us. The other promise is that he will help us to grow in grace as we study the word of God. And uh, other promises are that uh, we will see fruit for our labor as we're faithful to him. There are all sorts of things that God has given to us and we need to claim those promises and live by them. And this pamphlet will draw you closer to God and it will help you to live the Christian life. You can get your copy of this pamphlet. It's called For My Name's Sake through writing to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R 7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 
In this present series of talks, we're discussing what the inspired scriptures refer to as things which must shortly come to pass. We already have noted that there are two ways in which we can gain a foreknowledge of future developments. One is by examining the prophetic scriptures, in which God reveals certain specific situations and events which the future holds in store. The other way which we can anticipate the future is by observing what is happening in society today and projecting what the ultimate consequences will be having regard to the inexorable working of the laws of cause and effect. If you saw a person drinking a deadly poison, you could easily predict what the results would be. When you see the minds of a generation of children being poisoned by pornographic filth and humanistic philosophy that undermines belief in a sovereign God and in the Bible as his divine revelation of truth, you don't have to be a prophet to know what the ultimate consequences will be unless those being destroyed are rescued by the redeeming grace and saving power of God through Jesus Christ before it is too late. Paul's prophetic forecast, which I read a moment ago, requires that we employ both these approaches in order to appreciate the full impact of what he's saying. On the one hand, his statement is an inspired prophetic revelation of a situation that will develop in the days ahead. This know also, he writes, that in the last days perilous times shall come. That's both clear and specific. It is foreknowledge of the future that Paul did not possess of himself, but was enabled to reveal because he wrote under inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, who is the divine author of all Scripture. On the other hand, what Paul said included a description of human attitudes which will develop as time goes on, and which will be a major factor in creating the future world conditions he describes as perilous times. For this reason, it is important that we familiarize ourselves with the attitudes he describes. Then when we see those attitudes developing with in our society, we can not only anticipate the perilous times those attitudes are certain to produce, but know that unless those attitudes are changed, those perilous times must shortly come to pass. The list of attitudes Paul enumerates is long. In fact, he mentions no less than 20 characteristics which will become increasingly evident among people as time goes on. In fact, many of them already are evident in modern-day society. The 20 characteristics fall into four categories. Perhaps you'd like to make a note of these and then ask yourself how many of them have you detected in people you know or hear or read of today. The first and largest category is a list of characteristics descriptive of the people themselves, that is, what they are like as individual men and women. In this category, 12 characteristics are specifically mentioned. 
Paul describes the people of whom he speaks as, one, lovers of their own selves. That is, the me first, I'm the greatest, I'm worth it generation. Two, covetous. They want and take everything they can get for themselves. And they don't care how many people they trample on in order to get what they covet. Three, boasters. They're good at blowing their own horns. They boast of their own self-sufficiency. They even think they can get along without God. Four, proud. They're proud of the self-sufficiency of which they boast. They're prone to despise those who lack such confidence and pride in themselves. Like the Pharisee in Christ's parable, they thank God they're not as other men are. Five, unthankful. They regard themselves as self-made men and women. They do not think they owe anything to others, and so they exhibit no sense of thankfulness to God or man. Six, without natural affection. You know, natural affection is a characteristic manifest even by animals, which instinctively are protective of their own young. Isn't it ironic that it is the human species that has gone the farthest in deliberately destroying their unborn children and in abusing and abandoning their own offspring? Pro-abortionists even argue that freedom to destroy unborn children, an act not only morally wrong but wholly void of natural affection, should be enshrined in law as a woman's right. Seven, truce breakers. They do not hesitate to break agreements if in doing so it serves their interest, especially in matters involving conflicts with others. Eight, incontinent. They do not exercise self-restraint, especially in moral and sexual matters. Their incontinence is consistent with their claim to unrestricted freedom to do whatever they choose. Nine, fierce. They're hard, ruthless, and quite prepared to resort to violence and brutality to gain their ends. There is in their makeup little or no evidence of gentleness, kindness, or compassion. Ten, traitors. They lack a sense of loyalty to others, to their country, and even to God. They'd sell out any of them to gain their own ends. You know, Judas wasn't the last person to be influenced to betray a friend by the lure of 30 pieces of silver. Heady. They savor the heady wine of material success and bask in their self-sufficiency and independence. They relish controlling the levers of power. They know the answers. They don't intend to let anyone stop them being what they want to be or doing what they want to do. And finally, 12, high-minded. They regard themselves as intellectually superior to the masses, and they don't hesitate to show their disdain for those they consider inferior. Such is Paul's description of people whose attitudes will produce what he refers to as the perilous times of the last days. But there is more. Paul also lists three other characteristics which will become increasingly evident 
in the attitudes and actions of men and women towards others. He first speaks of disobedience to parents. This will be a hallmark of children and young people as increasing numbers grow up in homes, often broken homes, where there's no mutual love and respect between husbands and wives or parents and children, no spiritual environment, and no instruction in biblical knowledge, including God's Ten Commandments. The fifth of those commandments is, Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. It is unique in that it is the only commandment that includes a promise of divine blessing and preservation for children that obey it. The sad fact is, countless children today have never heard of that commandment, which the Scriptures call the first commandment with promise, or else they reject it out of, as being out of date and incompatible with today's concept of children's rights. The next characteristic Paul lists is a readiness to falsely accuse others. He uses the term false accusers. And in addition, he says they are despisers of those that are good. Not given to doing good themselves, they look down on those who try to walk in paths of righteousness. How often today you hear people belittling those who seek to honor and follow Jesus Christ and respect the Bible as the infallible, inerrant Word of God. The old apostle also speaks of characteristics which people manifest in their attitude and actions towards God and His righteousness. He describes them first as blasphemers. They do not hesitate to blaspheme the holy name of God and Jesus Christ, that name that is above every name, and which even the sinless angels of heaven speak only with hushed reverence. In recent years, there's been a steady increase in the amount of blasphemous literature published, and in the number of blasphemous screen and TV features produced, with very little public protest. But the Scriptures clearly tell us that no society can blaspheme the holy name of God with impunity. Paul further describes the people of whom he speaks as unholy. They not only have no respect or reverence for holy things, including God himself, but deliberately choose to live and speak and act in a manner that is the very opposite to a life of holiness. Just as unclean is the opposite to clean, unholy is the opposite to holiness. In the light of their unholiness and readiness to blaspheme, the third characteristic Paul ascribes to them is not hard to understand. He says they are lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. That's an apt description of an increasing number of people today. It explains why nightclubs and sports arenas and numerous other places of worldly pleasure and amusement are filled while houses of worship are half empty. Finally, Paul concludes his description of the people he has discussed by pointing out two great deficiencies in their lives. In 2 Timothy 3, 5, he says, They have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. That is, they often have a cloak of religion, but it recognizes not the all-powerful God of the Bible, but a God they have conceived in their own minds and made in their own image, 
a God consistent with their own humanistic philosophy, but not the God revealed in the Scriptures as the altogether holy and omnipotent Creator of all things, to whom all men owe reverence and honor and worship and obedience. His second observation is in verse 7, where he says, They're ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. As secular humanists, they place great stock in academic excellence, in scientific research, and in secular strivings to increase human knowledge. But they reject the infallible scriptures as the source of absolute truth, and therefore never come to a knowledge of the eternal absolutes which God affirms therein. Now, I believe you'll agree that many people today manifest the attitudes and characteristics which Paul enumerates in this interesting passage of Scripture. You meet them every day. You hear and read what they say. You see how they act. God wants us to understand what the ultimate outcome will be. When you see developing in society the characteristics and attitudes and conduct that Paul describes, you can be certain that the perilous times God predicts as a result will shortly come to pass. You see, God is not mocked. His immutable laws of cause and effect continue to operate, and people of every society ultimately reap what they sow. Only the love and mercy and long-suffering of God have thus far prevented him from removing his sustaining hand, which is delaying the harvest of perilous times, which men and women, by their own attitudes and actions, ultimately will bring on themselves. He does so because he loves mankind, and is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's why he offers you in Jesus Christ the full forgiveness of all your sins, and the priceless gift of eternal life. He offers to make you, literally, a new creature with the mind of Christ that will bring your thoughts and attitudes into conformity with His good and perfect will, and with the eternal truth revealed in His infallible Scriptures. On every side there are increasing indications that time is running out. God Himself warns, my spirit will not always strive with man. I urge you to take him at his word and receive his Son, Jesus Christ, as your Savior and Lord, and turn your life over to him while the opportunity still is yours. May God bless you. I trust that the message you just heard is a real blessing to you, and you can apply maybe some of the biblical truths that you heard today. We also have a great those who tune in who don't have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And you need to receive the Lord Jesus Christ into your life. Exercise faith. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. The Holy Spirit indwells you and uh, changes. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. That's a promise in the Word of God if you will have genuine faith and believe in the Lord Jesus. And I trust that you will make that prayer and ask him to come into your life today. You can also order your copy for my namesake, the pamphlet by Dr. Fred Hartman, by writing to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 
1-800-288-14231. You can also get past messages of Canada's National Bible Hour on our website, which is www.missiongo.org. Also, uh, you can get uh, other messages uh, on our internet radio station, which is 365 days a year, 24 hours a day. And that's at MGO Radio. We're so thankful for your prayers, and we're so thankful for your support. And we trust that God will continue to bless you throughout this next week. 